0: If you want to better understand the scripture, listen up. Hey, welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. I just finished reading Killing Jesus, the unknown conspiracy behind the world's most famous execution by Stephen Mansfield. Now, if you're not familiar with Mansfield, he's the author of numerous books, among them The Search for God in Guinness, Lincoln's Battle with God. Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Paul Harvey's America, The Faith of George W. Bush, and many, many more. Now, there's so much to say about this excellent book, so let me encourage you to stop by onmywalk.com and take a look at my review. I began reading Killing Jesus around the time of Good Friday this year, but didn't get back to it until just now, and in some ways, I'm glad I did just get back to it. Yes, read this book at Good Friday and Easter, but don't reserve it for that time. Because if you do, you will be undoing for yourself what Mansfield worked very hard to achieve, namely, removing the crucifixion of Christ from sterile analysis and placing it in the everyday hustle and bustle, grit and grind of life. Mansfield writes this, I had always written in cool, dim, quiet rooms, the outer world kept away. This was what I thought I needed to put words on the page. I started this book in just such a place. It didn't work. Try as I might to summon it, the story did not live in leathery isolation, would not reveal itself when I worked in self-important solitude. I gradually understood that this book was different. I could not seal myself off, ever the introvert, ever drawn to the lone and the quiet, and do justice to the sadistically public trial and torture of Jesus Christ. Realizing this, I knew what I had to do. I had to write about the killing of Jesus in the types of places where it occurred two millennia ago, in teeming, noisy, public places. And as he notes, this is largely what he did. And then he said this, and I want to encourage you to listen really closely because he's going to give us a clue, number one, as to what great writing takes, and more importantly, what we must do if we want to understand the scriptures as they were
1: written. Listen to this. Though I have completed the research where I had to, wherever scholars offered to meet me or essential volumes came to rest, I have written much of this work in the presence of distracted hurried, uncaring crowds. My desks were curbsides, park benches, lunch counters, cafe tables, subway seats, the concrete rims of city fountains, trash cans, car tops, and even parking meters. I have written at Hollywood premieres and in the middle of political protests, at National Football League training camps, and at a packed restaurant with the man at the table next to me screaming something about dessert. Oddly, I wrote a paragraph or two within three feet of the Prime Minister of Israel. I wrote one urgent sentence in a crowded airport men's room. I thought the words might leave me if I waited. I even typed away bleary-eyed on a crammed, unrestful overnight flight from Tel Aviv, the dust of the Mount of Olives still on my shoes. I arrived at most of these places in the natural course of my travels. There were some locations, though, I had to include no matter how far out of my way they were. For surely understandable reasons, I wanted to write some of this in a cemetery. The privilege of living in Washington, D.C. allowed me to write at Arlington National Cemetery, but this came after I had already worked in an ancient hillside cemetery just beyond the walls of Jerusalem. Some of this story demanded to be written in the presence of armed men and imposing fortresses. The United States Pentagon, where I managed to write some lines before giving a speech, served quite well so did the lunch table of an Israeli Defense Force's IDF squad near the citadel of David. To make the experience complete, I had to write in markets, courthouses, and cathedrals. I did. For this last need, Washington's National Cathedral, St. Anne's near Jerusalem's Lions Gate, and the magnificent Christ Church Cathedral in Nashville, Tennessee were gracious hosts. In time, where I wrote became less important than the souls that surrounded me. I wanted to be where people rushed about, the burdens of the world upon their minds. I found no shortage of such places. An example is my beloved Union Station in Washington. I wrote there by the hour as though transported, the tribes of humanity rushing by, and life-size statues of Rome's Praetorian Guard peering down. It was magnificent and oppressive, just as Rome intended. In all of this, I was not in search of inspiration. That came from the biblical accounts and from the theologians and historians I consulted. Instead, I was looking for gravity. To write of a bloody conspiracy surrounded only by books or the stifling silence of libraries is to risk sanitizing, floating above the human nastiness and carnage like a tourist in a foreign country trying not to soil his clothes. I didn't want to pass by unharmed, unmarked. I wanted to feel the threat. I wanted the bruising masses around me to grind me into the story's grit. I find this essential to understanding scripture. Initially,
0: my aha moment appeared when he said, where I managed to write some lines before giving a speech. And actually, that shouted at me. You see, I want those long, unbroken periods to think and to write And here, this New York Times best-selling author is telling me he grabbed little opportunities here and there as he was able. Now, if you get a chance, take a minute and listen to Podcast 3, Work Like an Ant, because that is exactly what Mansfield does, and it's a life lesson in and of itself. But the bigger lesson, and the lesson we need to understand if we want to understand Scripture, is this. We have to enter into the story. Mansfield adds this. The Bible reveals sacred truth, but it does so through a less sacred-seeming drama, an often earthly, troubling, lewd, starkly human drama. We're meant to know the story against the storm age in which it actually happened with all the grimy details fully in view and to accept it as a part of the way God speaks. Blood, spit, Wine, semen, sweat, and the offscouring of generations spill out on the page. No apologies are offered. This is the thrashing human drama of God, not some dainty, pious tale. And he finishes, this is the Bible. So if you want to understand the Bible, don't try to sanitize the Bible. And forget cherry-picking a proof text here or a troublesome passage there. Enter into the thrashing human drama of God because, in fact, you are a part of it. Jesus entered into that drama, His work of redemption, the drama of redemption. So to reserve the Bible for a Sunday sermon or even a daily Bible reading or the crucifixion of Christ for an annual celebration is to grossly miss the point of the drama of redemption and your part in God's greater story. So do you want to understand the Bible? Enter the thrashing drama of it, and God will meet you there. And that's my thought on my walk with Stephen Mansfield and killing Jesus, the unknown conspiracy behind the world's most famous execution. And before I sign off, let me ask you this question. What will you do with that thought on your walk through life today. When was the last time, or better, when will be the next time when you enter into the thrashing human drama of God? Recorded for you and recorded for me in the words of scripture.